0: Welcome to the Hemp Empowerment Project. We are your hosts, Anthony and Nicole Lucido. Our goal is to share the amazing opportunities within the hemp industry and how it can benefit your life.
1: Today we have with us Tom Bobrowitz. Tom is entering his third year farming and has begun developing hemp-based products which are offered through his online store. So Tom, you know, hemp has been illegal for so many years and you've got a beautiful farm where you're at. How did you feel when you were putting the, those first seedlings into the ground?
2: Well, I tell you, it's, uh, it, it was an interesting adventure, I could say. Um, we started out, you know, when, when in 2018, when the Farm Bill made hemp farming legal, I looked at it initially as a fiber option because we've got about, I don't know, 15, 20 acres of pillable land here. And I thought, well, let's, let's look into it, see what we can do. But, uh, you know, the money it, it would generate wouldn't be enough for me to make it worthwhile. So I, I started looking at the CBD industry and growing it basically like growing marijuana. Um, so the, the, the fight you know, or the battle I had to get through there was where do I find seeds or plants that are going to grow, you know, within the, t- the specifications that the state required. Pennsylvania is a total THC state, so you had to be completely below 0.3% total THC to, to grow anything that you could, you know, either sell as a smokable product or a, uh, you know, an, an oil producer. Um, so I had actually found a farm in uh, North Carolina, uh, Big Love Farms. Uh, the owner of that farm was from Pennsylvania, from Grove City, which is real near me, and uh, he offered me up 65 clones at uh, relatively inexpensive price, but... Uh, they were already pretty well grown. They were about a, a foot tall. And, uh, <laughs> I had to meet him down. I, I actually met him, um, further down the state, closer to where he was. We, we met halfway from North Carolina PA. and VA, uh, and, my dad and I took the ride to get him and we drove back with the old van full of marijuana basically. <laughs> and, uh, that, that was somewhat, uh, it, it was, uh, it was fun. Obviously no problems, but, uh, I had some contacts in the in the governor's office and I'd made a call to uh, my friend there and I said, hey, if I get pulled over, coming back with all these plants, can I get some help from you guys? And <laughs> like, yeah, go ahead. You know, I had all the paperwork we needed, but uh, you never know. You pull in a, a gas station with a local sheriff and they see you got a van full of uh, what looks to be pot plants. I think you're going to be in a little trouble. So,
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. And,
2: in the end, it, uh, it worked out well. We, we got the plants home and nurtured them through uh, till we put them in the ground. And uh, yeah, once they're in the ground, it was like, you know, I'm, I'm growing marijuana in my backyard. But uh, we're pretty secluded where we're at. So I didn't really have too many concerns. Um, I think you might have seen on our website, we have some signs out around the farm that says it's a hemp farm. You know, it's not marijuana. These are, you know, here's my name and address and phone number and my permit number. And, you know, you can... Call me anytime, and we can talk about it. So,
1: well, yeah, that's that's awesome because you really can't tell the difference between a marijuana plant and a hemp plant. And as a as a farmer taking that jump to just grow hemp, it's got to be a little a little uneasy. I mean, it's
2: <laughs> yeah. I you know, I'm I'm not a farmer by trade though. I, I we bought our farm uh, about ten years ago. Um, mainly to build a house on it we didn't we, we wanted the property we didn't really have any intention on farming um, i have i've given the fields away before to farmers just to grow corn or, or you know grow hay and cut hay um, but actually for me to make money on it i wasn't really looking at making money with you know typical farming mm-hmm. um, but since i've you know found the ability to produce a plant that you know i can get CBD and CBD products from, or hemp oil products from, you know, now I can make some money doing this basically. Nice.
0: What made you want to start hemp farming? Uh, I've, I've,
2: I knew it was coming to where we could be able to grow it. Like I said, I initially thought I could do it with, uh, you know, fiber crops. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm a cannabis advocate. I, I push for legalizing marijuana, you know, both nationally and, and the state level. Pennsylvania is getting very close. Our governor has asked many times of our legislatures to put a bill on his desk and he'll sign it. Uh, For over the last year, um, he's been pushing legalized marijuana in PA. Um, His lieutenant governor, uh, John Fetterman, he went around each county last year, 67 counties in PA, and did a several hour listening event at every county. And overwhelmingly, Pennsylvania wants legal marijuana. Um, but legislature in Pennsylvania is controlled by a Republican party. We have a, a Democrat uh, governor and they butt heads and the Republicans just don't want to say, we're going to legalize marijuana for whatever reason. I don't understand it. Yeah. You know, the voters of PA want it, but uh, they don't want it. So.
0: Which is odd. Cause that's opposite in Kentucky.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's really weird. <laughs>
0: yeah (laughs) makes no sense when
2: you you see a very conservative state like montana just legalized marijuana you you got a question what's going on you know why is pa not letting this money come into the state that you know we really need
0: yeah that's really interesting have any of the regulations regarding hemp growing have you had to deal with any of that on on your end
2: well you know the the uh Last year was relatively easy the the, the testing requirements and whatnot. you was pretty much put on the farmer to take care of it themselves. Um, this year with some of the changes that the department of ag made at the national level and with, uh, getting the DEA involvement, you know, there was a lot of confusion this year when it started, Pennsylvania made some slight changes to their program. Um, but overall it's been relatively easy. You know, it's, it's, it's not a difficult process to go
0: through. That's great.
1: Awesome, so now as a first time farmer, you're farming hemp. What are some challenges that you had to overcome in order to be successful?
2: Well, you know, the actual farming of the plant is, it, it's not difficult. Um, I've had, I, I've, I've done, you know, the internet's great for learning how to do something and I'd have to attribute my, my growing, uh, you know, practices to the internet. I've, you know, you look to the experts and, you know, the, uh, the Emerald Triangle area of California is probably, you know, the expert area in, in at least this country as, as far as marijuana growers go. And, uh, you know, I'm growing the same plant. So I looked at what they did out there, tried to put those practices in place here in Northwest Pennsylvania. And, uh, it worked. I grew giant, beautiful plants with great buds on them. I mean, it's it really wasn't a struggle to get the plants growing well.
0: Now, do you have somebody processing your plants or, or are you doing that yourself?
2: No, that's that's where I I changed direction um after harvest after harvesting my crop last year. Um, my initial intention was to grow smokable flour. Grow it, dry it, and cure it like marijuana, and sell it to people that want to smoke it um, it's really a difficult, you know, sales model to grow. The, uh, you know, you feel like a weed dealer when you're out there pushing, you know, a little bags of butt on, you know, the store owners and, and it, it it's hard to get them in there. I've, I've had some success selling pre-rolls, but, uh, for the most part, just relying on selling a smokable flower, it, it doesn't, uh, you're, you're not, I'm not going to get rich doing it basically. Mm-hmm. But Last fall I said I've got to come up with something better here. And I taught myself how to, you know, basically extract the oils and the cannabinoids from the plant. And uh, you know, from there I started experimenting with the oils, changing different flavors, and then we got into making some salves for uh, you know, basically for pain relief. Um it's kind of a funny story. I I kind of talk about it on the website under the salve section, but uh we would taken some of the extract that I had made and and my wife had bought a uh, a uh, like a, a lotion kit from Walmart and uh i brought that i, I brought the kit into the lab and i'm like well i'm going to try making some put some cbd oil in it or some hemp oil in it and see what happens well when i did it 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 really came out gross looking i mean it, it looked like you know old guacamole it just didn't look very nice so it sat on the counter there and uh we didn't really use it but uh one night, my wife's back was really hurting her. We, we had actually started a uh, mask selling or sewing business um, back in March. And, you know, with the, uh, with the COVID pandemic starting and, and people wanting to wear masks, she made some masks for some family members. And, you know, I said, what the heck? Why don't I try to make a website and see if we can sell these? Mm-hmm. And uh, we did. We sold a lot of them. And uh, she ended up doing a lot of 12-hour days, you know, hunched over her sewing machine. And her back started really hurting, mm-hmm. like getting spasms. And uh, I had taken that uh, guacamole looking cream one night, put it on her lower back. 15 minutes later, she was up wiggling around saying, my back doesn't hurt anymore. This is amazing.
0: That's awesome. Right
2: there. I knew I said, I, I, I told her, we have to make a product that we can put on the market that people can use because you just, you just witnessed it yourself. It worked. And uh, if it works that fast on you, it's going to work on other people. And uh, that's what I've seen. I've, you know, the the customers of ours that are buying the salve and using it for, you know, things like their, their neuropathy pain or, you know, just tennis elbow, whatever they're, they're finding great relief from, from what they're using. And and really what what we have is just a salve with some hemp oil in it. You know, it's nothing, there's not anything fancy going in there.
0: Yeah. Well, that, that's a true testament to show that the, you know, CBD really does help with that pain or really can, help with that pain. Um, mm-hmm. now, did you, you just started growing your, put, put your website up this, this year, correct?
2: That's right. We, uh, I probably took it live around May, uh-huh. I believe. Uh, one thing I I've gone into this full time. I I've left the job I've been in for, uh, roughly 17 years, um, with a big, a, a large corporation and, uh, Beyond that, I was a I was a union a union member at, at that factory, and I was also the union vice president. Um, I was given the opportunity to leave that, and uh, basically, I said, yeah, "I'm going to do that because I think this you know hemp oil stuff and, and our products are going to take off, and uh, you know I might be able to make a living at this." It it's uh, it's been working out so far, so I'm I'm, I'm pretty happy about it. The uh, just. You know, just having the time to devote to it full time, it, it's really helping. Uh, so back in May, we did put the, the website together. It was all me. I, I, you know, I've never built a website myself. So, you know, again, go to the Internet, get a lot of learning in, um, get the website up and running. And it, and it was working OK. Then I started playing around with things like Facebook ads, Google ads and realized this is almost impossible. You're never going to get a Facebook ad to run. You're not going to get a Google ad to run. There's ways to do it now that I found out, you know, through a little bit more research, but uh, for the average Joe to go out there and and whip out a a CBD website, thinking they're going to be able to advertise all over Facebook and sell it. It's, it's not going to happen. Um, There's also uh, some hurdles in the beginning with banking. Mm. Uh, Locally, I couldn't get a bank to set up a checking account for our farm, Barbara Lewis farms, um, you know, or for the website, then, you know, along with the banking on a website, you gotta have merchant processing so you can take credit card payments. None of the local banks wanted to deal with anything to do with that. Um, I did find a bank in Pennsylvania that's very, was very willing to work with us and they hooked us up with a merchant processor. And, and that, you know, since then that relationship has gone very well. So I don't know, you know, I understand the the banking concerns locally Hopefully, with some of the changes coming, I, I know the Congress is voting on the Moore Act, I believe next month, which should eliminate a lot of the banking issues. Um, hopefully, that'll open up some of the local banks and yeah. let us work with them. But like I said, I, I did find a good bank to work with, and and you know I think that's part of being successful in this new business adventure. Is you've got to have a relationship with a bank that's gonna, you know, be productive, and and you know they're they to be willing to work with you and not charge you an arm and a leg for their services.
0: Yeah. I know within the cannabis industry, I mean, just to go online, like I shop through Thrive Market and I can't, I always pay through PayPal and I can't pay for any products with CBD through PayPal. You have to go a different route. It is, I know that there are, you know, there are things happening to change that, but that is definitely one of the big challenges for you guys right now.
2: Yeah. That's, that's what I've tried to push on any, any of the politicians that locally that I could get to listen, you know, when, when, uh, you know, you talk about issues you're having, you know, banking is one. The, the advertising thing is a difficult one probably to put on the politicians because those are all private businesses. You know, you, Facebook basically is a private business, you know, even though it's public, publicly mm-hmm. owned, you know, they're not necessarily controlled in their advertising department by the government. I just think that, you know, they're, they're playing it safe as they can i guess
0: yeah the cen- the censorship <laughs> yeah <laughs> facebook you know what other you know you ran, you've you know you've dealt with some hurdles through marketing through social media and through banking and um are, have there been any other challenges or some big successes that you've experienced that you'd want to share
2: i tell you right now the the uh the best thing i could share with you for you know somebody that's looking to do this is We've been able to to uh, hook up with our local small business development center at uh, Gannon University here in Erie, Pennsylvania, and uh, the the small business development center. I believe it's a nationwide organization through the universities and colleges. Um, when I started working with them, they've they have so much um, available to the entrepreneur. You know, just just the consulting alone is is awesome, but. Through their network, they were able to, to uh, put put our website through a an analysis, basically of how the website works. I guess it's called an SEO analysis,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
2: search engine optimization. They actually went through everything. They looked at search engine optimization and just the overall operation of the website to make sure it was proper. And they gave me, you know, good feedback on what I could do to change it. That was awesome. Then they hooked me up with another. Um, program with another school temple university where they actually put a couple students on the website to completely revamp it and make it you know work better than what i had done Um, that was awesome and that's what that's the website that's running today so if you went to Mm bfxtracts.com today you would see what the temple university guys have put together and and basically what they were trying to do for me is create a narrative so a narrative you know Obviously, I want to be able to tell the story of BF Extracts and how our products come to be. Mm-hmm. Um, we went, you know, with the uh, with, with the Small Business Development Center um, helping us. They they recommended I get out and sell this stuff face to face. You know, in the day of COVID, that's it was difficult, but I did find a few venues that I could go to. Uh, local farmers markets were running through the you know, harvest season through the summer. Um flea markets opened up. We were able to get into a couple flea markets. So with that, I got out and was able to, you know, set up a little stand and actually sell product to people face to face. And almost every time somebody came up to see me, you know, they saw the big CBD signs. They knew that uh they knew what I was selling. But if they didn't know anything about it and they talked to me about it, and you know, once I went through the narrative or the story, they bought it. So you know, being able to get that face-to-face contact and, you know, explain to people how you're growing, how you're processing, you know, what what benefits are there, they go, yeah, I'm going to try that because that sounds pretty good. So I tried to get that same, you know, storytelling done on our website, and I think we, I think we did a fairly good job on it. So I, I would say the, uh, you know, the Small Business Development Center work has uh, probably been our biggest success so, so far with us. And that's continuing to grow um we just started another project with them where they actually gave us a grant um to help market another product we're, we're uh we're going to be launching a new product line called balance extracts and through that the grant that i got from the county and, and, the, and the school system they were i was able to hire a marketing firm that's going to go through and do all of the uh graphic design and, and, you know, package design and put together an actual digital marketing uh, program that we can take out and, and, you know, try to market through the social media avenues and things like that.
1: That's awesome. So you came from yeah. working from a big corporation to not knowing how to farm. And now you're learning about this, about, you know, becoming a business owner and all the resources that you've gotten. What are you finding yeah. gives you kind of the most joy out of doing what you're doing right now? Well,
2: I mean, obviously we're in our, in control of our own destiny at this point. You know, I, I, like I said, I worked for a large corporation. I I expected to work till I was 60. I just turned 52. Um, I had a pension at that place that I worked for. So it went through a, uh, a change of ownership. And when they went through that change of ownership, our pension got froze, so I, I lost eight years of pension building ability. That was that I planned on retiring with. You know, it, was, it would have been enough money for me to you know, live on month to month, and you know, in retirement I would have been fairly comfortable. Well, that got pretty well knocked out of place there a couple, couple years back, and uh, I had to come up with a better plan for for our retirement. And uh, hopefully, this is it.
1: Awesome.
0: So I want to go back to, you know, this new website that you're planning. Um, what are you going to be yep. selling more than teachers and, um, and the salve?
2: Well, I don't know if we're going to have too many more products at this point. It, it's basically an exercise in getting out of the local market. Um, you know, at, at, locally BF extracts has a pretty good you know model, I guess. I mean, we're, I'm marketing basically to the local area. Somebody wants to come out and see the farm; they're more than welcome to come out and see the farm. We we have customers that you know order online, come out and pick it up. Um, you know, beyond that, you know, when I when I get into other markets, like let's say I want to start selling in Las Vegas, you know, it, it's it's not as easy of a thing to market my product, my labeling, me you know, all that stuff. It just I don't think it looks as good as what a professional marketing team could put together. So what we're hoping for with that is we can target other places, other cities, and, uh, you know, hopefully try to build a brand that's bigger than BF extracts brand.
0: Nice. And I I was looking at your, your products and they look, they look very clean. You know, there's only a couple ingredients in your, um, in your tinctures. So since you, since you're doing your own processing there do you have certificates of analysis or how have you done all of your testing
2: you have, we, have, we actually have a local uh, lab that's okay. uh, doing cannabis testing now um which is very helpful i mean i can i can make a batch of oil or or extract i can run it right down a lab myself have it tested uh get it turned around fairly quickly um i have used a, la- a lab a lot up in uh, massachusetts for the last year or so but uh, now that I, I have a local lab um, it makes it a whole, whole heck of a lot easier, but we, we test everything from, you know, the grow process all the way through the end uh, product. Um, last year when I, when I started this, I probably had 10, 15 different tests just on uh, the plant itself um, because it, you know, it was unknown. I bought plants from a stranger you got to make sure they're, they're not going to go hot on you. And I grew some indoors let them flower out. And then I started taking samples in like 40 days then 45 days and 50 days. And, you know, I got an idea of what the plant was doing. Um, I was able to carry that over to the outdoor crop and, you know, it, it coincided pretty closely. Um, along with that, I, I grow all of our plants in above ground pots. So they're not like growing in my dirt, you know, or my soil from, uh, you know, the farmland. I actually bought, uh, couple truckloads, several dump truckloads of organic uh, compost from a local organic compost supplier. And I hand-mixed all the, last year we hand, my son and I hand-mixed all the uh, pots. We only had 55 pots outside last year. And uh, all the dirt, I knew what was in all that dirt. So I, you know, when when I did have the soil test done and the, uh, where the plants tested for heavy metals and pesticides and, you know, chemicals, there was absolutely nothing in it. And, and I knew that because I, we handmade all that dirt. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know. then, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Nope. You go.
2: Uh, and you know, beyond that, once we had our crops um, harvested, we had those tested for potency, you mm-hmm. know, to make sure we're still in compliance. And then after I started the oil production, there's, there's several tests you've got to do with the oil. Um, you got to make sure obviously there's no residual solvent left in the uh, the process because we use an alcohol extraction process and you really don't want any alcohol in your, uh, in your tincture. I would, I would, because yeah. our tincture is basically oil. I mean, there's no, there's nothing in there other than oil mm-hmm. um, and alcohol is not good to have, have in there. Uh, so I, I get, I, I'd have to get that extract tested for potency as well as all those other, you know, the, the solvents and mycotoxins and uh, you know, all the bad stuff. And then beyond that, once i made a, a finished product out of the, uh, out of the extract, you know, I want to make double check and make sure my potency calculations were right. You know, so if I'm selling a thousand milligram bottle of hemp oil, it's going to have a thousand milligrams of, of CBD in it mm-hmm. or, you yeah. know, or pretty darn close. to it. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. That's really important. Really good quality control. It sounds yeah. like, when, uh, throughout the process.
2: Yeah. One, one thing I've, I've got the advantage of over, you know, some of the larger producers is I only have one crop, you know, I've got one strain that, you know, it's all mixed, you know, even if it's a different phenol of the same strain, it's all mixed together when I go to make my oil. So I know when I take a a couple pounds of our flour to turn it into oil, it's going to be same as, you know, if I take a couple pounds, you know, a couple months from now, it's making me the same oil. So it's, I don't have to, I don't have the, you know, massive expense of testing every single lot because a lot of the producers are, you know, they're buying hemp from all multiple sources and you've got to test every time you, you bring a new source in or, you know, even get a new lot of material in from a, an unknown source. So it yeah. does kind of, it, it, it helps me out and, and we're small. I mean, we're only making, you know, a couple hundred bottles at a time. We're not making thousands of them at a time.
1: Yep. So you mentioned growing that stuff in your, in your pots, which you can have, you know, really good quality control. Now, how many on your operation, how many people is it taken to harvest and go through the plants that you have the material?
2: Oh, you know, this, this year we did a little bit different harvest technique than we did last year. And, and it was relatively easy. Um, what I've found is what works best for me is if I cut the, the buds right off the plant, trim off the major leaves, put them in my drying shed, let them dry, you know, there's there's not a whole lot of, of tough work there, you know. And I'm thinking I could have up to 100 and some large plants like I'm growing right now and, you know, harvest it completely with maybe three or four people over, a, you know, a few day period. Nice. and then then it becomes pretty you know once it's in my drying shed I, I, I set up a, a shed to do all our drying where it's humidity controlled temperature controlled and uh, you know airs moving all the time so it it in about a seven day period I can have all that green bud dried to the point where it's it's dry and ready to go into a you know a bag or a jar to start curing um, but not a massive operation on my end. That, that was one of the things I, 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 I strove for this year was let's try to cut down on the number of people we need to harvest and, uh, you know, do a little bit better job at it than we did the year before. The year before was a little bit more chaotic. We cut the whole plants, hung them in the barn, let them dry for a week or so. And then we had to go buck the buds off the plants. And, you know, I had to hire half a dozen, you know, younger people to come in and do some of that harder work. And uh, it was, it wasn't quite as good as uh, what we got this year. I I think our product this year is going to be superior to what we had last year, even though we had last year was pretty decent. Um, We did, we did pretty well with our our harvest this year. Quantity isn't there, but again, like I said, I'm small. I don't necessarily need a whole lot of quantity at this point. I think by the time I run out of uh, raw material this year, or that, you know, coming into this next year here, I should be pretty deep into the uh, the growing of the, you know, the next harvest. And if I have to, I'll, I'll buy a processor license and I'll, I'll go out and uh, buy some hemp if I need to. But I don't think I'm going to need to. I think we're, we're pretty good for the next uh, 12 months.
0: Now, are you planning on growing your operation or is, are you just, no, just want to keep it smaller?
2: No, absolutely. We're, we're, uh, you know, I, I think, Probably every small business owner's intent is to grow it to something, you know, bigger than it is. Um, we have a lot of room out here. I've, I've got a I've got an adjacent field, um, with a lot of road frontage. I'm thinking um, you know, I'd like to move my business up into that field eventually, because right now we're working out of our house and our garage and our barn. And, uh, you know, down the road here, I want to have a, a, a business itself, standalone business but I can do it on my own property because I I have the space. So with that, I would say, yeah, I definitely want to grow it. Definitely like to have a few more employees and, uh, I I can see that happening in in the future here.
0: Nice. Are you, are you planning on staying in the CBD market or would you grow into grain or fiber? I don't at
2: this point. No, I'm, I'm sticking with the CBD market. And, uh, you know, right now it's what I know, you know, I really can't change from that model if I'm going to have grain, you know, any of the, you know, hemp, grains, you know, stuff going because of the, you know, the cross pollination. Oh. You know, we have to grow we all we have to grow all female plants, or you, you know, you just make a mess of things. So, you know, I, I don't see me going into the any of the other hemp types of uh, growing. Okay.
1: Yeah. So you bring up a valid concern there because I always thought it was funny when the the federal government was saying, well, they want to legalize hemp so that that way they can hide marijuana in the plants. Right. Well, the CBD is a, is a female plant and for grain, they end up producing pollen.
2: Yeah. Well, you got, it, I, I believe hemp is a, naturally is a male female plant. Mm-hmm. So it grows both male and female, uh, stuff and uh you know if, if you're growing a field full of of grain type of hemp you've got both male and female plants growing so and those males release their pollen if you've got a female cbd plant nearby you've just ruined that female cbd plant you just filled it up with seeds and you know the seeds aren't really worth i mean i guess from a, a food crop they might be worth a little bit but uh in the cbd crop you've just destroyed your plant basically
1: yeah, so do you have concerns about any of your neighbors starting to grow hemp plants in the? You
2: know, not really, because number one, they the the state puts out the list of who's growing what and where. Um, they haven't put any regulations on growing fiber crops next to CBD crops yet, but I could see that um, happening because they did put regulations in for uh you can't be within like five miles of a medical marijuana grow. so mm-hmm. if there was a facility out here growing medical marijuana which is legal in pennsylvania the uh i wouldn't be able to have a, a hemp cbd farm anywhere near it right so hopefully you know down the road the uh that does happen with the cbd market too Where you, I, don't, I don't know if they can i mean that's it's probably a, a difficult thing and If that was to happen, we would probably uh, end up having to move indoors with the CBD operation. Mm, Yeah. Which wouldn't be bad other than the expense of, you know, the electric and the light. Yeah, But it it would definitely give you a lot better control of your plant. You know, you wouldn't have to worry about some of the outdoor elements that uh, you have to worry about now. You know, sometimes with frost or wind or, you know, hail damage. Mm
1: -hmm, I've seen
2: some pictures last year where uh, whole fields out west got just completely obliterated by hail
1: yeah that was in colorado right
2: yeah 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 that would have been that would have been a nightmare
1: (laughs) yep yeah i I see
2: the you know i see those those farms out out in colorado and oregon that are growing uh you know just thousands and thousands and thousands of plants and they're growing them nice i mean they they look beautiful they look like they've been trimmed and topped and you know they look like they've got a lot of weight to them i just go and See that and I'm like, how the heck do they process that much material? How many people does it take to pick all that stuff? A and, lot. You know. <laughs> I, I know it's it's crazy. But then, you know, the the flip side of that is that I, I've seen a lot of people using the uh, you know, your typical farm equipment like a combine or something mm-hmm. to chop that stuff down and then it you know gets ground up into a a, a biomass and then it gets shipped off to an extractor that grinds it up even more and blasts CO2 through it. I, I don't, uh, you know, to me, that's that's the refinery of the hemp industry. They're, mm-hmm. You're taking semi-loads of biomass to the refinery to get it turned into some kind of oil that might have a use somewhere else. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a full-spectrum uh, producer here. I take the flower right off the plant. I don't do anything to it other than trim the excess leaf off of it. Then I wash the cannabinoids off of that plant. I don't pulverize that plant anyway. I get all the natural cannabinoids off the plant, and uh, you know that's what I'm left with. It's uh, it's a good tasting product. It's uh, and it works, man. Customers are coming back to me going, "This is this is amazing. What this has done for me."
0: Yeah, I mean, just like I said, I was looking at your website, and I, you know, I. I am very picky with my food and things I put in my body. And I was reading the ingredients and like, whoa, this is some super clean stuff. So it was, you can definitely um, hear your passion that you put into your final product and to really keep that quality up. That's amazing that you um, God, that you're just continuing to do that and share that with us. I really appreciate you sharing you know, yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, one thing I did want to know was can you share with us, just give us a picture of what it what it looks like for you from when you plant the seed to harvest time. Um, how does that all work throughout the year? Well, I'll
2: I actually keep my uh my plants growing all uh winter long because I, I okay. the the struggle with hemp is buying seeds or buying um seed starts or clones that are going to give you what you want mm-hmm. um, out of the plants that I bought last year you know they worked they, they gave me they, they kept the numbers where they were supposed to be the plants grew well but even in those plants I had several that grew differently they their phenotypes in in cannabis are you know they're abundant so you might have a bag of seeds that gives you five different plants out of it even though it's supposed to be the same plant um, so I've been able to select out of the from last year and what i've got this year basically i got two or three phenos that i'm going to continue to keep growing because they grow well they smell great they produce nice big juicy buds and uh you know that's what i'm looking for so i have i have a plant i took one of the plants this year actually i took three of them that grew the best and i, I repotted them in a smaller pot after harvesting and brought them inside and i got them to reveg and i've been cutting clones for like the last month so by springtime i'll have all my clones you know pretty well established and probably growing in smaller pots by the time they go outside but that won't be until the end of may and end of may is when i plant in, okay. in pennsylvania here um because i we still can see a frost up till you know memorial day here and uh frost on a young on a, a, a mature plant doesn't hurt it but frost on a baby it's going to kill it So I usually wait till Memorial Day weekend, put plants outside. Um, And then it's just a matter of keeping them fed. I use all, I use an all natural uh, fertilizer. Um, I have a, uh, you've probably seen a picture on on the web of the farm there with a big pond behind it. Yeah, it's beautiful. And, uh, you know, all the water comes out of the pond. It's actually on a hillside, a little bit of a hillside. So it's gravity fed. I can feed all those plants pretty easily. Nice. And, uh, you know, as long as I keep them fed and happy, they're, uh, they come out nice and big and they do the, they do
0: the job. And when do you, when do you harvest typically? Uh,
2: mid September to late September. Yeah. Right around, uh, mid to mid September to, you know, they, they gave us a 15 day window this year, which was a really a rock because I've, I've had, uh, plants that were, you know, they didn't even show bud for I had one, some that were ready to pick and some that were just starting to bud, you know, so that in 15 days, they wouldn't be all ready to go, yeah. but, uh, you know, there's that window there. I'm shooting this year to, to, uh, try to get it done before the end of October to have it all wrapped up, um, based on what I got, what I got from my crop this year, the clones I'm cutting for next year, I should be able to pick everything early to mid September and have it all dried and ready to go by October.
0: Nice. That's awesome so do, so do you have any advice for someone who really wants to get into um, into farming hemp? I know you said that you've done a lot of online research but is there anything specific that's on the top of your head that you can uh, share with the new I, farmer?
2: I would say definitely you want you you want to find a good source for your plants
1: mm-hmm
2: and it's it really is the wild west still um you know last year when i started researching this around you know the january time frame december january it was amazing how many people were out there already to give you seeds you know we've got seeds they're guaranteed you know and uh that ain't the case you you really have to put a lot of time and trust into somebody that you don't even know i mean it, it's Like, like when I went and bought my plants from, uh, William last year, I didn't know him, you know, it was just a guy that I, I sent a message to online. I, you know, I knew he was from around here or close by, but I still didn't have a level of trust until I grew those plants out and knew what they did. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, that would be the, you know, the number one thing is finding somebody that's going to give you a a product that you can make, you can actually grow. Um, I would tell, you know, any new grower, don't try to get into the smokable CBD market. Mm-hmm. It's not as lucrative as you think, you know, you, you, you might, you might have some experience growing marijuana or something and you think, well, man, I can go out and grow, you know, a couple hundred uh, CBD plants and I'll have tons of, uh, you know, bud I can sell, but it's not the same as marijuana. You're not going to go out there and sling bags of, uh, you know, <laughs> CBD, uh, Bud to to people that that want it because it's not that big of a market. You know, people are out there buying marijuana because they, they want to buy marijuana for a specific reason, Mm -hmm. but it's not the same in in the uh, smokable CBD market. Even though it's a great product. I mean, our, our CBD flowers smoke. Awesome. They, they've got a great taste. They give you a great effect. Um, you know, really calming people telling me they sleep well when they smoke some of our, our flower. And, uh, it it does smoke good. I'm I'm pretty happy with it, to be honest with you. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, one last question for you here, Tom. If money were not an issue, what hemp business would you spearhead? I would I would stay in the in the CBD market just because of what I've seen.
2: It does. I mean, I I believe this plant's magical. I mean, it just just to be able to take plant that has been bred over to, you know, how many generations now, you know, decades, you know, last hundred years, this plant's been bred to take the CBD out of, it. you know, they, people are making cannabis for THC. So they have bred the, the THC really high and, and you know, on the flip side, the CBD goes down. Yeah. Well, there's some breeders out there in the last decade that have reversed that process. To me, that blows my mind. How can you take that plant that wasn't producing CBD and now it's producing CBD more so than THC? That's amazing. <laughs> and then to see the effects of it, I don't know if you, you've probably seen CBD nation,
0: right? The movie, the documentary came out in August. You know what? I haven't seen that one yet. We've If been you, on- have not
2: see, if you <laughs> haven't seen CBD, CBD nation, definitely watch it. It's available okay. on uh On uh, Amazon Prime Video, it's like $2.99 to watch it. Okay. I think Apple TV has it. But there's a lot of streaming options out there. I have a link. I think there's a link on my website to it. Okay. Fantastic uh, documentary. Probably the best uh, cannabis and CBD documentary I've ever seen. And there's some guys in there that really started this movement uh, that that get interviewed in the documentary. And it came out of Northern California. Um, The... uh, you know, they, they found customers in the medical marijuana, you know, field that they were, you know, cultivating for that wanted a CBD product more than a THC product. So they weren't in high effect. Yeah. And uh, those are the guys that actually bred that plant back to having more CBD. They found, you know, through testing, they were able to locate some that had some higher CBD numbers. And then over time, they've been able to really jump them numbers up. So that's uh, that's been pretty that's pretty cool. But in that movie, or the documentary CBD Nation, you you see a little boy who never had a, a day without a seizure, you know, and he's seven years old. So he's completely been debilitated by these seizures he has every single day, and his father got him on on the cannabis oil, almost seizure free, you know, and, and starting to you know become a you know normal little boy. Um, another, you know, another little girl in Delaware, she had a, a, a condition where her, her cancer was eating her face away on the inside. It was, it was, you know, just heartbreaking to see that and cannabis oil, CBD oil, fixed that. It turned it around. That, that's just amazing to me. Yeah. You know, and then all the people with post-traumatic stress, you know, the veterans, you've got your, uh, kids on so many, you know, they, they grow up on all these, you know, ADHD drugs and. You know, they get all this anxiety, and as they get older, they start taking other forms of uh, prescription medications. You know, getting off of that stuff is much healthier for you, and and yeah. that, that uh, particular uh, documentary goes through so many of those. You know, and and I this is a plant that heals, and I want to be able to get it out there to, for people to use it and try it. I'm hoping to uh, develop some more affordable product here that, you know, the CBD is fairly expensive. Um, I try to keep it relatively low priced, um, just because I'm, I'm in a market where, you know, incomes aren't very high and, you know, I want people to use it. So I'll, sometimes I'll have sales where I sell the stuff for 10 bucks a bottle, but you know, obviously I can't sustain that. And I need to come up with some other ideas where people can actually get it and try it and use it. And and we're working on a few things right now. We're working on some smaller size, uh, containers, um, coming up with some edible products pretty soon here, maybe a candy or or something. Nice. And in conjunction with a, uh, we're going to actually uh, contract that out. We'll we'll get a, you know, a professional uh, candy maker or somebody to uh, do that work for us. But uh, hopefully, we will about to 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 get more people to use it because, like I said, it it's it's definitely a thing that works. And in my mind, thinking about its history. I can see why it works. I don't understand other than the big money stuff or why it was made illegal in the first place. But, uh, you know, obviously, it was around 100 years ago, there was a whole lot of diseases that weren't around 100 years ago, Mm -hmm. that are really prevalent today. And, you know, maybe those will go away when uh, more people are able to use, you know, the cannabis plant and the hemp plant or the hemp oils and, and the CBD stuff. So I would definitely stay in the CBD field. Yeah.
1: Awesome. So, Tom, where can people find you and your website and products?
2: Well, bfextracts.com is our website. And, uh, you know, we're obviously located in northwest Northwest Pennsylvania. We do not have a a brick and mortar store. Um, We started this right when COVID hit. So brick and mortar store probably would have been a disaster for us. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We do have some stores carrying our product locally. The uh, and and uh, every day I'm out trying to expand that uh, you know the local presence. If I can get more more stores on board to uh, carry our product, I will. Um, that's one of the reasons I'm trying to trying to come up with a lower price price point for some of our stuff because a lot of the stores see a forty dollar bottle of oil and they're like, man, it's you know it's kind of expensive. It's hard to you know where do I put it in the store? How do I keep people from stealing it? You know, so I'm. I'm Working through uh, with some other stores to uh, come up with a, a better idea for that, but uh, right now the best best way to get a hold of us is on on the website. And uh, you know we, we offer free shipping on most orders over 50, um, and everything uh, everything is pretty well uh, priced. It's it's I I'd say we're below the competition with yeah. our price points, because um, I've seen this stuff for sale, you know the same exact oil. You know, maybe not the same, you know, the same concept of oil for anywhere, you know, $150 a bottle and people are buying it. So they buy it because it works. You know, the average Joe probably isn't going to spend 150 bucks because they can't afford it. You know, I'm hoping I've got product they can afford. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Well, big shout out to Tom for joining us today, sharing how he had started a farm with no experience, his entrepreneurial success through trial and error, the internet, and all the resources that are available to us. We appreciate our listeners for tuning in to the Hemp Empowerment Project, where our goal is to share the amazing opportunities within the hemp industry and how it can change your life. Please subscribe to this podcast, visit Tom's website, so you're always in the know. Thank you.